Hello, and you are tuning in to Creepypasta's Toe in the Dark. I am your host today, Zach, and I will be reading A New Horse, Alligators, Room for One More, and The Wedigo. Uh, a new horse. Two two farmhands shared shared a room. One slept at the back of the room. The other slept near the door. After a while, the one who slept near the door began to feel very tired. Early in the day, his friend asked what was wrong. An awful thing happens every night, he said. A witch turns me into a horse and rides me all over the countryside. I'll sleep in your bed tonight, his friend said. Well, we'll see what what happens to me. About midnight, an old woman who lived nearby came into the room. She mumbled some strange words over the farmhand, and he found he couldn't move. Then she slipped a bridle onto him, and he turned into a horse. The next thing he knew, he, she was riding him across the field at at breakneck speed, beating him to make him go even faster. Soon they came to a house where a party was going on. There was a lot of music and dancing. They were having a big time inside. She hitched him to a fence and went in. After she was gone, the farmhand rubbed against the fence until the bride, the bridle came off and he turned back into a human being. Then he went to the house and found the witch. He spoke those strange words over her, and with the bride, with the bridle, he turned her into a horse. Then he rode her to a blacksmith and had her, and had her fiddled with horseshoes, fitted with horseshoes. After that, he rode her into the farm where she lived. But I have a pretty good filly here, he told her husband. He told her husband, but I need a stronger horse. Would would you like to trade? The old man looked over, looked her over, and he said he would do it. So they picked out another horse in the farmhand rode away her husband led her husband led his new horse into the barn and took off the bridle and went to hang it up but when he came back the new horse was gone instead there stood his wife with horseshoes nailed to her hands and feet a young woman in town married a man from another part of the country he was a nice fellow, and they got along pretty well together. There was only one problem. Every night he'd go swimming in the river. Sometimes he would be gone all night long, and she would complain about how lonely she was. This couple had two young sons. As soon as the boys could walk, their father began to teach them how to swim. And when they got to be old enough, he took them swimming in the river at night. Often, they would stay there all night long, and the young woman would stay home all by herself. After a while, she began to act in a strange way, at least. That is what the neighbor said. 
She told them that her husband was turning into alligators and that he was trying to turn the boys into alligators. Everybody told her there was nothing wrong with with a man taking his two sons swimming. That was a natural thing to do. And when it came to alligators, there just weren't any nearby. Everybody knew that early one morning, the young woman came running into town from the direction of the river. She was soaking wet. She said a big alligator and two little alligators had pulled her in and tried to get her to eat a raw fish. Fish. They they were her husband and her t- and her sons. She said, and then and they wanted her to live with them, but she had gotten away. Her doctor decided that she had lost her mind, and he had her put in the hospital for a while. After that, nobody saw her husband and boys again. They just disappeared. But now, and then, then a fisherman would tell about seeing alligators in the river at night. Usually it was one big alligator and two small ones. But people said that they were, it said that they were just making it up. Everybody knew. Everybody knows there are there aren't any alligators around here. Room for one more. A name a, a man named Joseph Blackwell came to Philadelphia on a business trip. He stayed with friends in a big house they owned outside the city. That night, they had a good time visiting, but when Blackwell went to bed, he tossed and turned and couldn't sleep. Sometimes during the night, he heard a car turn into the driveway. He went to the window to see who was who was arriving at such a late hour in the morning. He saw a long black hair filled with people. The driver of the hair looked up at him. When Blackwell st- saw his queer, his queer, hideous face, he stuttered. He shuddered. Then driver called to him. There is room for one more. Then he waited for a minute or two, and he drove off. In the morning, Blackwell told his friend what what had happened. You were dreaming, they said. It must have been, he said, but I didn't. It, but it didn't seem like a dream. After breakfast, he went into Philadelphia. He spent the day high above the city in one of the new office buildings there. Late in the afternoon, he was waiting for the elevator to take him back down to the street. But when it arrived, it was very crowded. One of the passenger, very crowded. One of the passengers looked out and called to him. There is room for one more, he said. It was the driver of the hares. No thanks, said Blackwell. I'll just take the next one. The door closed and the elevator started down. There was shrieking and screaming, then the sound of a crash. The elevator had fallen to the bottom of the shaft. Everyone aboard was killed. The Wed to Go A wealthy man wanted to go hunting in a part of northern Canada where few people had ever hunted. He traveled to a trading outpost and tried to find a guy to take him, but no one would do it. It was too dangerous, they said. 
Finally, he found an Indian who needed money badly, and he agreed to take him. The Indian's name was Defago. They made they made camp in the snow near a large frozen lake. For three days they hunted, but they had nothing to snow f- to show for it. The third night, a windstorm came up. They they lay in their tents, listening to the wind howling and the trees whipping back and forth to see the storm better. The hunter opened the tent flap. Well, what he saw startled him. There wasn't a breath of air stirring, and the trees were standing perfectly still. Yet they could hear the wind howling. And the more he listened, the more the sound, the more it sounded as if it was calling Defago's name. The Fago, it called. The Fago. I might be losing my mind, the hunter thought. But the Fago had gotten out of the sleep, out of his sleeping bag. He was, he was. Huddled in the corner of the tent, his head buried in his arms. What's this all about? The hunter asked. It's nothing, Defago said. But the wind continued to call to him, and Defago became more tense and more restless. Defago, it called. Defago. Suddenly, he jumped to his feet. He began to run from the tent, but the hunter grabbed him and wrestled him to the ground. You can't leave me out here, the hunter shouted, and and ran into the darkness. Then the wind called again, and Defago broke loose and ran into the darkness. The hunter could hear him screaming as he went. Again and again he cried, Oh, my fiery feet! My burning feet on fire. Then his voice faded away. The wind died down. At daybreak, the hunter followed Defago's tracks in the snow. They went through the woods, down toward the lake, and then out into the ice. But soon he noticed something strange. The steps Defago had taken got longer and longer. They were so long, no human being could have taken them. It was as if something had helped him to hurry away. The hunter followed followed the tracks out to the middle of the lake, but but there they disappeared. At first he thought that the failure had fallen through the ice, but but there wasn't any hole. Then he thought that something had pulled him through the ice, through the ice into the sky. But that made no sense. He stood wondering what happened. The wind picked up again. Soon it was howling as the same night before when they heard Devego's voice. It was coming from above and he heard Devego screaming, My fiery feet! My burning feet! But there was nothing to be seen. Now the hunter wanted to leave the place as fast as he could. He went back to camp and packed. Then he left some food for Defago, and he started out. Weeks later, he reached 
civilization. The following year, he went back to hunt in that same area. Area again. He went to the same trading outpost to look for a guide. The people there could not explain what happened to the Fago that night, but they had not seen him since then. Maybe it was the Wedigo, one of them said. And he laughed. I supposed, I suppose to come when the wind, it drags you along at great speeds until your feet are burning away. And more of you than that, then it carries you into the sky and drops you. It's just a crazy story. But that's what some of the Indians say. A few days later, the hunter was at the trading post again. An Indian, an Indian came and sat by the fire. He had a blanket wrapped around him, and he wore his hat so you couldn't see his face. The hunter thought there was something familiar about him. He walked over. He he walked over and he asked, "Are you Defago?" The Indian didn't answer. Do you know anything about him? No answer. He began to wonder if something was wrong, if the man needed help, but he couldn't see his face. Are you all right? He asked. No answer. To get a look at him, he lifted the Indian's hat. Then he screamed. There was nothing under the hat but a pile of ashes. That concludes this episode. Thank you for listening to Creepypastas Tell in the Dark. I was reading Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, collected by Alvin Schwartz. Um, and please leave a comment and a rating to so my podcast can get what it needs. Um, and stay fruity.